0: boys and girls welcome back to the four pillar fitness podcast uh, this is coach phil houston and today we're going to dive into another episode of no stuff uh, today's topic is orthorexia we're going to get to that in just a moment um, but first a little bit of housekeeping if you're listening to us on itunes uh, don't forget drop us a five-star rating leave a comment so that people will know some value here of course if you find there is um, and as always you can reach me through my website at coachphilhouston.wordpress.com uh, spell the last name right: H U E S T O N. I am on uh, Instagram at at Coach Phil Houston and on Twitter at Phil Houston. Always spelling in the last name the same way. So let's just jump into today's topic: uh, Orthorexia nervosa, uh, No Stuff Volume Two, um, Eating Disorders. You know, um, the very phrase really sounds awful, right? Uh, what does it take for one of the essential activities of life to become disordered? You know, doctors, nutritionists, psychiatrists, uh, psychological pros and researchers have been digging into that very subject for quite a while now. Um, One of the things that they do agree on is that contrary to the statements of several controversial Instagram influencers, uh, there's no such thing as a positive eating disorder. They're all dangerous, they're all damaging to health, and sometimes they're even fatal. Uh, We'll take a closer look at the root causes of eating disorders in in, in general in another piece, another day, Uh, but for today, we're going to take a closer look at one in particular, and that's orthorexia nervosa. Um, I recently heard this phrase, uh, I'd say not long, too long ago anyway, um, on another podcast interview that I was doing, and it kind of intrigued me, um, so I dug in on it and wanted to get a little bit more info, and I'm going to deliver that to you today. Uh, most of us are at least casually familiar with the two most common eating disorders, um, anorexia nervosa and bulimia nervosa. Uh, anorexia nervosa, or anorexia as it's commonly called, is a disorder in which a sufferer has a compulsive obsessive desire to be thin, skinny, or quote, in shape, unquote. Um, this obsession leads the anorexic to weigh themselves frequently, eat small, very often insufficient amounts of food, exercise excessively, and to fixate on only eating certain types of food. They suffer from low weight and often end up with osteoporosis, heart damage, and fertility issues. Forced vomiting is sometimes involved, as well as use of laxatives to induce weight loss. Um, anorexia has been tied to trauma, depression, anxiety, and other mood and psychological issues. But as mentioned, we'll dig in on those issues a little more deeply in the near future. Uh, Bulimia nervosa, or bulimia, is characterized by what's called a binge-purge cycle. The bulimic will eat a large amount of food in a short period of time and then purge that meal by vomiting or by the use of laxatives. Um, Some of the other purge methods that are often used are diuretics, um, excessive exercise, stimulants, or even water fasting. Um, While most bulimics tend to maintain a normal weight or close to it, they often suffer from side effects like breakdown of tooth enamel, skin problems, general weakness, depression, anxiety, even suicidality. Um, So we've seen instances where anorexia and bulimia have both driven people to suicide. Um, The anxiety, the depression gets to be so overwhelming that they just take their own lives. Um, So these things are pretty terrible. It's obvious to see the problems and risks associated with anorexia and bulimia, uh, but at first glance, you'd think orthorexia would almost be one of those positive eating disorders that some idiots on Instagram have been saying it is. But as mentioned earlier, there's no such thing as a positive disorder. So what is orthorexia nervosa or orthorexia? Well, the term was first proposed in 1997 by an American doctor called Stephen Bratman, MD. While not recognized as an eating disorder yet by the American Psychiatric Psychiatric Association, orthorexia can be a problem for people who otherwise lead a healthy lifestyle and may well be a wrecking ball that brings their whole healthy world crashing down. Uh, Orthorexia is is derived from the Greek root words ortho, meaning correct or right, and orexis, meaning appetite. Dr. Bratman described orthorexia as an unhealthy obsession with eating healthy food. Uh, It's a pretty simple definition, I think pretty accurate. His suggestion was that in some cases, a person's dietary or food restrictions in pursuit of weight loss, physique change, or other healthy goals may lead them down a darker, dangerous path to poor health and a range of physical, psychological, and emotional issues. In this regard, orthorexia is akin to its more familiar cousins, anorexia and bulimia. In 2009, Ursula Philpot, who was then the chair of the British Dietetic Association and a senior lecturer at Leeds Metropolitan University, described orthorexics as people who are, quote, solely concerned with the quality of the food they put in their bodies, refining and restricting their diets according to their personal understanding of which foods are truly pure, unquote. Um, this fixation on purity and perfection in a society, person's diet can lead to some really unhealthy consequences. Um, They include social isolation, as orthorexics also often feel superior to others uh, and to those who quote, unquote, don't eat right. Isolation can also occur when the sufferer fears that leaving their controlled environment may mean not having the quote, right foods available when needed. Relationships with others, including family, become less important than adhering to to whatever dietary formula the orthorexic has chosen. orthorexics, excuse me, also risk developing a negative and dangerous connection between the quality of their diet and their own self-worth or self-esteem. Um, in a recent Four Pillar Fitness podcast episode, uh, Lyle McDonald, who's a well-known nutrition writer, coach, and expert in fat loss and physique change, shared that the consequences of the, this connection are really dangerous. Um, Lyle explained that dieters with rigid approaches to nutrition will project even slight perceived dietary failure as a personal fa- Failure. And this can combine with other psychological factors like perfectionism that cause really significant problems. Um, one of those problems can be binge eating. So if the orthorexic, quote, fails, or unquote, to adhere to their rigid dietary dogma, even committing the slightest of sins, the value of the rest of the plan is dismissed as a failure. This combines with a massive blow to self-esteem and a feeling of worthlessness and despair. The result is often food binges. Self-loathing drives them to binge on food. Research has actually shown that rigid dieters show high levels of stress about their nutrition and are more prone to binge eating. Um, As Lyle said on the podcast, and I'm sorry, on his website, um, due to their all or nothing approach, rigid eating attitudes are often associated with disinhibition, and the rigid eater can flip from complete control to a complete lack of control under a variety of conditions. This is especially true if one of the specific dietary rules or goals they have established is broken in any form or fashion. At the simplest level, this may mean exceeding some predetermined daily calorie goal. If the day's goal is 1,600 calories and the rigid eating exceeds that, the day is deemed a complete failure. Unquote. Um, in this example, the content of the rigid dieter's plan may remain intact. In other words, they may eat the good quality food, but the dieter may have eaten 1,601 calories of high quality meats, vegetables, fruits, etc., in perfect proportions of fats, proteins, and carbohydrates. But that one extra calorie. That was the deal breaker that sent them into a psychological tailspin and a full dive into binge eating. So let's be clear though, not all rigid eaters are orthorexic. All orthorexics, however, are rigid eaters and in all likelihood started out that way. The belief that there is only one proper way to eat, one acceptable way to fuel the human body is a sign of orthorexic thinking and attitudes. It also flies against the reality of millions of years of human evolution and scientific reality. Look, human beings are pretty unique on this planet. We are one of the very few species of true omnivores. That means we can survive and, in fact, thrive on a wide variety of food sources. Vegetables, meats, fruit, dairy, grains. Um, there are people in, in the world that even survive on eating insects, which I guess technically are meats. Um, our bodies can adapt to and survive on any or all of these. True, some people have sensitivities to certain food types. Celiac disease sufferers you know, and the lactose intolerant come to mind most easily. But for most folks, a wide variety of food sources can provide energy for bodily functions and the activities of daily living. Our bodies are structurally capable of eating a broad variety of foods and extracting nutrients and energy from all of them. Our DNA has pretty much hardwired us to seek out a wide variety of food and food sources, not just from an enjoyment standpoint, we're also looking for that broad variety of food sources for survival purposes. Science, industry, and pure human ingenuity has led us to a place in history where just about any kind of food we want is readily available. Examples of other humans who've successfully lived healthy lives using a wide variety of dietary plans and structures are readily available all over various media and ubiquitous on social media. So what would drive a human living in this environment to become so rigid in their beliefs, their habits, and their actions that they would put themselves at risk for social isolation, self-loathing, depression, anxiety, and even suicide? That's not even mentioning the physical risk that may arise from choosing a food orthodoxy, which might exclude essential nutrients. Well, we're going to dive into that in just a moment, but first, here's a really brief word from our sponsor. Hey, welcome back to the Four Pillar Fitness Podcast. I'm Coach Phil Houston. Uh, Let's dive right back into orthorexia. Simply put, what drives otherwise normal human beings to become orthorexic? Well, there is no simple answer. Behaviors, trauma, societal pressures, media and social media, and environmental factors all likely contribute in some way. The obvious example of media, social media influence would be repeatedly seeing images of models or actors promoting a specific way of eating. Any person who's attracted to, respects, or is a fan of that person is more likely to have that bias influence their behavior. While that may not be a slam dunk cause of orthorexia, it's likely to move the individual one step closer. Because the psychological stew surrounding the interaction of behavior, media, social media, and other factors is so complex, I'm not going to dive into all of it here. But it is safe to say that in a world where a wealth of examples of success, successful omnivores exist, it is the dogmatic, often extreme examples of quote single-stream dieters, my phrase, that usually make the most noise and get the most influencers. Uh, and most attention, excuse me, um, influencers and social media quote experts unquote rarely get on a soapbox, pull up their shirts to show off their abs, and then preach the life-saving and often planet-saving virtues of the omnivorous, flexible eating plan. No. On the contrary, vegans, paleo dieters, elimination dieters, ketogenic dieters are just a few examples of folks who often passionately espouse the exclusive righteousness of their way of eating. So understand, I'm not criticizing any of those people. What I'm I'm saying is, it's usually people who have chosen a very specific specific narrow orthodoxy of food who are the ones who most passionately espouse, espouse the exclusive righteousness of their way of eating. Those looking for a solution to poor health, overweight, frailty, weakness, or some other perceived personal or physical flaw will buy the dogma and become acolytes, espousing the righteousness of their chosen path with a similar, if not stronger, zealousness. If you had had previous emotional trauma to this mix, you may well get the most extreme kind of orthorexic. Complex indeed and equally frightening, as frightening in many ways. Um, perhaps a follow-up to this piece where we dive in on those interactions. But for now, let's look at two ways in which orthorexia and nervosa can overtake an otherwise normal person's psyche in life. The first way that orthorexia can rear its ugly head for someone is related to anxiety. Specifically, people who exhibit anxiety about disease, poor health or related issues and disorders are far more likely to seek nutritional solutions for their fear of disease, disorder, and death. In some of these cases, this pursuit of proper nutrition to avoid obesity, sickness, etc can morph into a limited scope dogmatic approach to eating. This, however, by itself, may not yet rise to the level of orthorexia. When the individual begins making changes in their approach to daily living, in order to accommodate their eating habits, orthorexia may well be at hand. An example would be the raw vegan who refuses to eat at any restaurant, even a vegan restaurant, because none are, quote, raw enough, unquote, to meet their demands. Another would be the physique enthusiast who can't eat around other people because of a a perception that others with less pure or perfect diets are beneath him or her. For the record, being a raw vegan or a proponent of any other diet or eating eating style or system doesn't make you orthorexic. Um, Extremely limiting dietary systems such as raw veganism do, however, lend themselves to orthorexia due in part to the extreme limitations in food selection and availability and the increased level of anxiety about that food. Um, and again, not a criticism of raw veganism. If you're up, if you're into it, go for it. Just understand there are risks, okay? Um, another way is related to the pursuit of physique improvements. For many who pursue the perfect physique, there are underlying issues of self-esteem and self-worth. Their self-perceived value to the world can often be connected to the way they look. Their dietary habits then may become extremely rigid and fixated on how to eat clean or eat only those foods which support their pursuit of the perfect physique. It's easy to see the connection between this thinking and orthorexia. It shouldn't be hard to imagine then that these folks are often those who binge eat as a result of a perceived dietary failure. The blow to self-esteem leads to actions which deal more blows to the self-esteem. The often, this often, I'm sorry, this often results in redoubling of the militant, dogmatic eating approach which led to the meltdown in the first place. It really creates a vicious cycle of perfection and imperfection. For the record, again, being a disciplined eater does not make you orthorexic. The secret there is in your attitude about other people's eating habits, how you treat yourself when you make a mistake, and the variety of foods you're willing to consume to a degree. So what are the signs of orthorexia? It's a really good question. So let's take a look. The first sign is an obsession over the quality of food. The quantity of food is usually less important than the quality or purity of food. Orthorexics are often, I'm sorry, are often, um, will often limit their acceptable foods to those which fit a specific category or purity of ap- or application. Physique-related orthorexics often must have specific kinds of proteins, carbs, and fats, sometimes only from specific sources or suppliers. Others may limit their foods to those that are organic, vegan, raw, or whole. Number two, extremely rigid eating patterns. I mean, you can't, I understand if you've ever been on a diet, you know that your eating gets a little bit rigid and a little bit co- constricted, but we are talking about, Absolutely rigid, right? Anything considered impure, unhealthy, bad, negative, or unacceptable will be rigidly avoided. Given the choice between starving and eating an unhealthy food, the orthorexic will likely choose starvation. Number three, eliminating entire food groups. Carbohydrates, meats, dairy, sugar, gluten, processed foods, etc. Anything deemed inappropriate or unacceptable. Four, constant worry and anxiety over disease or sickness. I referred to this earlier. Uh, For the orthorexic, failing to eat pure, whole, or clean foods is connected to a belief that at some level, these foods are poison or even evil in some cases, right? There is a risk for them that these foods will cause sickness and disease. Number five, depression, anxiety, guilt, and emotional turmoil and disorder when their rules are broken. Falling off the wagon, quote unquote, either in food selection and consumption or in their exercise program can lead to self-imposed shame and guilt and or feelings of worthlessness and failure. The anxiety and depression related to this can be profound, sometimes including suicidal thoughts. Number six, last one, anxiety from just being around some foods. There's often an intense drive to remain separated from specific foods or food groups. Orthorexics may skip family or social events because of the fear that a bad food will be present. They may leave a room if one of these foods appears. This avoidance technique can instigate intense emotional disturbance create social isolation, and contribute to depression. In a few cases, and, and that's the, probably the, the big six ways you can, you can recognize orthorexia, okay? Obsession over the quality of food, extremely rigid eating patterns, eliminating entire food groups, constant worry and anxiety over disease, disease or sickness, um, depression, anxiety, and emotional turmoil when they make a mistake, and anxiety from being around certain kind, kinds of foods. So in a few cases, food allergies have led to be, people to become orthorexic. And it's not really their fault, but it, it, there's ways to avoid it, okay? The avoidance of a specific allergy trigger food can lead to the avoidance of, an, of the entire class of foods or food group to which that trigger food belongs. Some people may find themselves headed down the orthorexic road via a desire to treat asthma, allergies, or other conditions naturally. In these cases, the use of an elimination diet is often recommended. Too often, this diet is recommended by people who have no business doing so. Personal trainers and even the medical professionals who are known as your sister-in-law or the guy three cubicles over at work will tout the miracles of the elimination diet or other plan in curing allergies, asthma, and even diseases like arthritis, Alzheimer's, and cancer. From there, it's a slippery slope of, of limitation and elimination of foods and groups before orthorexia is a problem. Um, I'm going to take a moment pause here. If you're taking diet advice from the guy that works three cubicles over from you, please don't. Please don't. These are the kind of guys that relate really like to throw punch. Um, I, ha- I have a nutrition certification and I don't even call myself a nutritionist. I would never do that. All right. I do nutrition coaching with my clients, but only in the context of what their what their lifestyle looks like, not to prescribe to cure something. Okay. That's someone who shouldn't be talking at all. So let's be, cu- be clear. I'm not advocating either for or against any diet or nutrition plan, except for one. I can tell you with 100% certainty from experience that the people who succeed nutritionally in the most sustainable ways use some form of flexible eating plan. Even if they've chosen a ketogenic, paleo, vegan, or other exclusive plan, allowing for some flexibility, cheat days or meals, or just the understanding that you won't always be perfect is a far, far better way to go. And while orthorexia is not an official psychiatric eating disorder yet, it is a frightening one. Orthorexia has a close connection with anxiety, self-loathing, and depression. All those are connected to poor levels of emotional, mental, and even spiritual fitness. Anxiety and self-loathing can be especially damaging to your emotional and, fitness and spiritual well-being, leaving gaps to be filled by vices and activities that just make things worse. We're going we're to address spiritual fitness in some future future episodes, but suffice it to say, when you when you have a spiritual void in your life, there are things that happen in your brain that translate to your body, and none of them are good. You were born an omnivore, really pretty unique in nature. Enjoy it and all the bounty nature has to offer. If you choose a specific nutritional path, be aware of the values of flexible dieting. Not sure how to do that? I highly recommend Lyle McDonald's Guide to Flexible Dieting. You can find it at Lyle's online store. I've put a link in the podcast description um, that will take you right to the store. You can get the book. It's a really great book. He's a super smart guy, and he was the very first guy to write about this stuff. So if you find yourself starting to limit foods or groups, or you're getting anxious about specific food groups, please talk to someone who can help. It's not just your diet at stake; it might be your life. That's today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as always, you can reach me at, at on Instagram at Coach Phil Houston to spell the last name right: H U E S T O N. At my website, CoachPhilHouston.wordpress.com, and on Twitter at Phil Houston. Again, spell the last name right: H U E S T O N. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. I hope this helped you. And uh, as always, keep the faith and keep after it.